days go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartland joining me today. Steve, you are still slumming it down in OBX, aren't you? <laughs> slumming it. <laughs> uh, not exactly slumming it, man. This is a nice house. Nice <laughs> Outer Banks of North Carolina, coastal area. I can. Uh, all I have to do is look, get on the second story here and look over the sand berm, and there's the ocean, man. It's just Excellent. nice here. Excellent. Now, how's the weather been down there? Have you been getting any of the residual rain from the uh, the hurricanes that have been passing through the areas? Yeah, actually, yesterday we had some rain, but more wind. Wind was the issue. It was really windy. Mm. So that uh, we didn't even touch the beach yesterday, but we were back on it today. And great kite-flying weather, man. Nice, nice. Good for you. Good for you. I always love hearing um, you know, pastors taking time off and getting that opportunity to – you know, refresh and recharge. So it's, uh, that's great. Oh, uh, one of the most fun things I did today. Yeah. yeah. We were down here with one of our sons and his wife and their five boys. Oh, wow. So I got to play bocce ball on the beach with four of those boys today. Nice. That was really fun. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Have you, uh, have you played bocce ball before? I have. Okay. Uh, never on a beach though. We bought this little kind of a light set. They're, they're uh, plastic and thin. They have a little water inside them to give them some weight, and okay. you can throw them on the beach, and they roll. Nice. Very cool. It was fun. Good but, for you. But, you know, um, reality comes quickly. Got to be home Saturday. Ah, back to work. Uh, Got to start it all over again, huh? Yep. <laughs> How about you? How's school been going? You're teaching school. I am, yeah. School's actually um, – school's been going great. I've, I've really been enjoying um, my group of teachers that I'm working with, my coworkers. There are six of us in that middle school section. Um, love working with the students. I had a student ask me the other day. I was, you know, I was just talking to them, telling them about my passion for teaching. I love teaching. And uh, her class – was a more difficult class that I've had in my whole teaching career. And I said, uh, she said, you even like our class? You like teaching our class? I said, look, my worst day of teaching is still better <laughs> than my best day of doing anything else. Oh, um, that's good. <laughs> so I, I said, you know, I said, even though this is my passion, I love doing it. It doesn't mean I don't get frustrated at times. It doesn't mean that, you know, I, um, you know, I don't get frustrated at you guys at times, you know, I mean, I'm still, I'm still human. These things still happen. I said, but I, I love this and I love where God has placed me. So, um, you know, just so excited to be there and be teaching. So love it. I understand Uh, that. Yep. Yep. So want to uh, once again give our shout out to Mission Aware. Um, I was actually on their website the other day looking around. I noticed they had um, the they had the five solas on there, poster, T-shirt. I think they had some mugs on there you could get. Um, you know, the five solas are great. Steve, you are our resident clergyman. Um, go ahead and tell our audience the five solas, what the five solas are from the Reformation. Oh, you're just putting me on the spot, aren't you? I am, so yes. It's uh, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, uh, scripture alone, and I'm missing one. You, do you have it? What is it? I'm blanking. You you had all the ones uh, that I had. <laughs> we look bad, man. I we know, right? Bad. I know, right? I, uh, I should have Googled it really fast. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, my computer's sitting down here on the oh, chair. Oh, probably faith alone. I don't think I said faith alone. So we have faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone, scripture alone, and and all right 
We're going to do this. This is see. This is this is why we do this because we. You Are know, you going to edit this out? I'm not. I'm just going to leave it in there. I'm. You know. <laughs> I I feel like people actually enjoy these parts because you know if if I go through and cut it out, then they're going to miss all that fun behind the scenes oh, stuff. You know what we missed? Which one was it? The big one, man. Soli Deo Gloria. To the glory of God. God, God glory only. <laughs> Whoa, like the the one that super intends over them all we missed that one you know what i was thinking was god alone but i was like no it's not it's not god alone there's something else to the glory of god <laughs> yeah that's it uh oh well it just shows that we're human right uh, but <laughs> there's something that yeah i know right <laughs> um but, back to t-shirts quickly man. that's quick. right that's right but you know i mean despite the fact that i mean believe it or not you know i just i've always loved the five solas even before i was a reformed guy and how can you not? Because it's it's pure scripture yeah. right there, and um, you know the designs on these things. Mission Aware does great designs on all of their stuff, and so the designs on the five solas are just excellent. They give it a clean, modern look, um, but you know it's also a great conversation piece because people look at it and they're like, "Oh, that's that's kind of neat. That's kind of interesting. You know, what's that?" And and it really is a great conversation starter. I am. I, I was talking to my cousin earlier today. I am not one for like, you know, going out and doing the Evangia Cube or, you know, like the the color bracelets and all that stuff. I used to do that when I was mm-hmm. younger, but I, I've kind mm-hmm. of outgrown that. And But these really are great conversation starters for adults. And it really is something that you go in and someone looks at it and it's like, oh, can tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, I'd love to. And it's just it's natural and it's um an easy way to lead into uh the gospel or even with um friends who are believers i found that um even with my uh christian friends it's allowed me to dive into you know kind of bunny trails through some really cool theological discussions so um check out mission aware all their great products steve i'm going to put you on the spot again because hey. Can you remember where you're going, but can I say something else about the shirts? Quick? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. All right. Don't forget where you're going. So I just want to say, so if you wear one of these shirts to your gym, please be a guy who has a really excellent, intense, sweaty work ethic, ethic in your gym. Yes. Because then, then guys will respect you when they see you wearing this thing. They'll ask you, what is that? And you can talk to them. They'll listen to you. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a dedicated gym guy. I'm there five days a week. I'm there three days a week while on vacation. I found a gym here. I'm working out. That's just nice. me. Nice. Um, but, uh, man, there are guys I really respect because of their work ethic. And if they came in wearing some shirt, I, I will talk. I want to know what that thing's about. So work hard in your gym. Wear it there. Or if you play golf or whatever, just play it really well. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's excellent. I think, you know, to an extent, I think that's, um, a great mandate for, um, everything that we do as believers, you know, everything we do as believers, I think should have some intent behind it, some purpose behind it that allows us to, um, not boast in ourselves, but be able to boast in Christ, you know, and to show people that, oh, you know what? Yeah. I, if I work out, you know what? Yeah. I, I love to work out, but you know, I love, I love the God I serve even more. And I want to talk to you about him, you know? And so it just, it's, it's a great way to just kind of open up and, you know, just talk about your life. I mean, and that's really, that's what it is. You know, this is just, this is allowing for great conversation starters. And so, you know, just making sure that, like you said, if you're, you know, kind of a gym rat, just, 
you know, making sure that you're in there and you're, you're busting it. And, you know, I would hope that, you know, as, um, you know, as a teacher, I'm, you know, everything I'm doing again, um, to the glory of God alone. Um, so Amen. yeah. Awesome. Hey, one other thing on the gym thing there yeah. is that, you know, I have an awful lot of gym buddies and, and I really like them and they like me and, and, you know, in between sets, we might talk a little or before and after workouts, we talk a little. Yep. So they're kind of friends. I've had a few of them to my house. Jim came over recently for an event and, uh, I want to get a whole bunch of them to our church on one Sunday, all at one time with like some special Sunday that they would come for. And then ha, ha, I'd probably preach on bodily exercise profits a little. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, that would be but, great. You know, it does profit a little, so I want that little, so we're all fine. Let's go get that little. Absolutely. That little good, but remember, it's little. It's right. something way more important. Yes. So if anybody has a good idea, how do I stage an event? How do I create an event that I can invite a whole pile of my gym buddies over on one day, and they're all there, and we all see each other? And I get to preach to these guys. Man, I would love that. Steve, I'm going to bring you back to a 90s phenomena. Have you, did you ever hear of the power team? Oh, oh, oh yes, that's right. <laughs> I've seen them on TV. Yeah, the power team. Breaking blocks with your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah there you go. group of Christians who came around, like Christian bodybuilders who would go around and, you know, do these weird, you know, breaking things and like power lifting things oh, and no. all that stuff and preach the gospel with it. So, <laughs> There you go. There's your power to them. That's right. That's right. Um, All right. Where were you going? Yeah. So, Steve, I, you know, I was um, sitting here and, and so I am going to put you on the spot. So we may do this little segment. If you don't have something on the top of your head right away, um, we may kind of do it uh, in the middle of what we're talking about as you're thinking through this. But we wanted to do um, our, our book review. Uh, last week, you gave a great book uh, to go along with our topic on. Uh, the end times. And so this week we're actually talking about the image of God. And one of the things that kind of sparked this topic is I look online and people will talk about, um, uh, you know, you'll have people who will start discussions about the passion of Christ and you'll have some Christians who will jump in there and they'll say, Oh, I've never seen that movie. I don't watch or look at anything that depicts an image of God because that's, um, that's unbiblical. That's sinful. Um, and so my question to you, just to start it off before we actually dive into the topic, is, um, Steve, are you aware of any good resources or books out there that actually talk about this idea of the image of God and give a good perspective on how we should view this? Um, well, there might be such a thing, but I am not aware of it. There are lots of articles, you know, and of course, if you want to Google it, you can find lots of articles online now. Um, there are maybe sections of books that deal with it, mm-hmm. but I'm not aware of a book. I don't think it's really that large a topic that somebody wants to write a book on it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good open market for you and I, Steve. We'll co-author one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could write a small book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and of course, um, you know, what I mean by that, what usually um, sparks this is, um, you know, if you look at um, – Exodus and you jump into Exodus 20, you have the Ten Commandments, um, and you go to uh, the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. 
for I am the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love uh, to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, That is often what I see quoted in these arguments and discussions that go back and forth. Uh, Steve, I have a feeling you and I probably have a very similar take on this, um, much like we do many of the topics, but um, I'm still, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and perspective on this. Is this something that you, when when you see depictions of Jesus or you see, um, you know, images, for lack of a better word, of God or depictions of the Father or the Son, that this is something that just kind of strikes a chord in your heart and you're like, you know, down with it. It's evil. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Sorry to disappoint. This podcast needs more drama between you and me. <laughs> but we're just not we're just not gonna get there tonight because like you already animated, we probably feel the same. We haven't discussed this ahead of time. No. So I don't really know your views, but yeah. I know you pretty well and I bet I know what your view is. Yeah. So uh no, I, I say uh let the Sunday school kids have pictures of Jesus when he's preaching or feeding the 5,000 and they can actually see a Jesus there yeah. uh, just so they don't bow down and worship him. Fine yes. with me. Yes. Yeah. So, you, you know, you read the passage and then there are other passages like in second law giving Deuteronomy five. Yeah. Basically says by the same thing. And then there are a lot of other little passages uh, here and there, like in Leviticus and numbers and yeah. uh, that's about it. Uh, where some of them don't have the second part of what you just read, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. Yeah. Some of them just say, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything, blah, blah, blah. So there really is a difference among Reformed people mm. uh, about what this means, what it requires. For example, R.C. Sproul was fine with pictures of Jesus. Mm. Or is, is still. Um, whereas a man like, let's say, John Murray at Westminster Seminary, mm-hmm. absolutely opposed. Yeah. Um, yeah. and wrote, wrote articles about it. I kind of reviewed one of them today, and my goodness, is he stringent on that. Mm. So a lot of it hinges on, does it mean you should not make images, period? Or does it mean you should not make images to bow down to them or serve them? Yeah. I'm of the second school there. Uh, if it means no images, then it means no likeness of anything in heaven. You can't have a picture of a bird. Mm. You can't have a picture of a bug. Yeah. Or that's on the earth beneath. You can't have a picture of your dog. Yeah. Man, I used to have a a, a black Labrador retriever. His name was Boaz. He was our kinsman redeemer dog man. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I really, really loved Boaz. And I still have a picture of him sitting on my desk. Mm. He was a good, good doggy dog. Um, is it wrong of me to have a picture of Boaz yeah. on my desk? Yeah. Yeah, I really don't think so, just so I don't bow down and serve it. Right. So uh, if the first part stands alone, you should not make images, period. You should not make any likeness, period. Right. And we can't have pictures of anything. We can't have statues of anything. Yes. But, you know, in the temple, you probably want to go there sometime tonight, don't you? Into the temple, yeah. into the first temple, and then into Solomon's temple. And by ordination of God, yeah. they had massive statues of cherubim yes, in a place for worship, by the way. Yes. And they had cherubim woven into the tapestry of the walls, the hangings that formed the walls. Yes. Um, if God meant to say, 
all images are bad, period. Why on earth did he have cherubim statues? Right. Cherubim woven in the tapestry. Yes. I think we have to understand the thing means just don't bow down to them or serve them. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, you know, I agree with that because something that always, um, it, it always kind of bothers me when I, when I hear people talking about things like this. One of the thing that I, one of the things that I scratch my head at is that, uh, if, if this is an absolute command, then we are all sinning at all times because we all at the very least have an image of God in our head. And I guarantee it's all not the biblical true image of God <laughs> that, you know, people are like, oh, well, God gives us an image of who he is. Yeah, but we're visual people. You know, I mean, Moses, Moses pleased with God to be able to see him, um, you know, because he wants to physically see him. He wants to get an idea of what he looks like. You know, and the only way that he could do that was by, you know, bringing him up, tucking him in a cliff, turning him backwards and then walking behind him. And we see the holy, blinding, righteous light that is reflecting off of Moses when he comes down, you know. So to me, if we're talking about this idea of God doesn't want us making any images of him at all, um, I think we have to scratch our head and go, well, aren't we – don't we already have images of God in our mind? Yeah, mental images. Yeah. yeah. Now, and I'm not even aware. Are you – I'm not aware of anybody anywhere in all of church history – who tried to make some kind of image, physical, visual image that depicts God the Father. Yeah. Have you ever seen one? Yeah. I haven't. No, I mean, I think the best we get when people, you know, uh, if you talk to people who, you know, don't really read the Bible, if you were to ask them of an image of God, they would give you some, uh, you know, Zeus, gray hair, bearded figure that's kind of like uh, Herculean, uh, you know, like you, you get kind of get that grandfather grandfatherly image before you like get up in. on the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, feeling. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, those are the things that you, that kind of come to your mind, but I don't necessarily know that those images are necessarily trying to depict God, the father, as much as they're trying to depict a, a God in general. Hmm. All right. Good point. Um, also with regard to Jesus, of course, you know, for 32 years, he was on the earth. Yeah. and did have a physical body and a physical presence. Yeah. Uh, he, he's resurrected. He still has a physical body, but he had one that could be seen by people then. It yeah. was here. Yeah. Uh, is there any problem then of, you know, of, of drawing a picture and saying, you know, well, here's a, here's a human. This is going to represent Jesus right. in our little Sunday school materials. Now, he was a human. Right. So we can at least depict him as a human. It's not a problem. This is how a lot of Reformed people who go with this argue. Uh, incidentally, there are lots of reformed, really reformed people who don't have a problem with pictures of Jesus and Sunday school material. Like in the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America, yep. big, big reform group, they allow candidates for the ministry to have certain exceptions to mm. their uh, confession. You know, like sure. I hold to the confession except for chapter this and paragraph that. They they allow this as an exception. The Westminster Confession is really. Uh, really strict about no images, no pictures of Jesus, no nothing. Right. They allow candidates from the ministry to say, yeah, I don't agree with that part. Yeah. You can still be one of their pastors. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. I mean, when I look at an issue like this, I think if, um, and, and, and I think, 
we have to know our hearts. You know, I think this comes down to a conviction issue. You know, if your conviction is, you know, if I see an image of God, I'm going to be tempted to think this is God and I'm going to be tempted to, you know, uh, maybe not bow down in front of it, but, you know, in my heart kind of worship it. Um, then, yeah, I mean, I think I think you should probably stay away from that. But I, I've said it before, um, images that I just – I love that um, my wife and I have around our house. Every Christmas we have um, – we bring out these these images. One is an image of the baby Jesus and the other is Santa Claus holding the baby Jesus with a tear coming down his eye. <laughs> you know, I mean – Come on. Oh, that's great, man. You got Santa Claus holding yeah. Jesus. Yeah, Santa Claus holding the baby Jesus with a tear coming down his eye. You know, and to me, like that that symbolizes, you know, the mythology that we have, but to me it also symbolizes that even myths are subject to to Jesus Christ. You know, and and I just I love that image that even the mythology that we have, um, you know, the fun that we have, like all of those things are subject to to our Lord and Savior, and, yeah. and, and you know, me, if I, go ahead. If I get to, I'll probably get into your house around Christmas time because we usually do these podcasts at your house. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably get to see that. Yes, and I have seen the Sistine Chapel. Been there. That was a great opportunity. Saw the ceiling in it. Debbie and I went there to uh, Italy for our twenty fifth anniversary. Oh, anyway, nice. um, and nothing in me seeing seeing God depicted on the ceiling of the chapel. Or right. seeing baby Jesus in your living room, yeah. nothing in me ever wants to say, "Oh, so that's what he looks like." Yes. I think I'll bow down to this and worship it. Yes, it just yeah. doesn't create that. That's not a problem. It doesn't create that temptation. Yeah. Well, and interestingly enough, I mean, to me, I really feel like you know when when we that there is nothing that we have in our lives at this point that should cause that should cause us to bow down and worship anything unless unless Jesus Christ comes back tomorrow and we are all taken up and we are all raptured and we are sitting before the judgment seat of God like there is nothing that should cause us to bow down to anything that we have to me this verse is just addressing a very real uh problem of the human heart and that is idol worship in general you know, not yep. even the fact of bowing the knee, but, you know, I mean, um, Greg's not on the podcast anymore, so I can say, you know, I can say this with a clear conscience, but, you know, and, and I'm not saying, Greg, that you, that you do do this, but you would laugh at this. You know, h- how many people worship their TVs every Sunday when that football game turns on? <laughs> how many well, worship the football team or the football yeah. game? Yeah, I mean, yeah. how many people, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to myself, you know, I, I enjoy playing video games and I, I tell my students, you know, I, I love playing video games. I love playing video games to the glory of God. Because I'm human, do I always do that? No, sometimes they become an idol. Sometimes it becomes more than what it should. Um, and so to me, that's that's what it is. It's not, it's not am I crafting this image to worship. It's my heart is being pulled away from God to something else. And therefore, it is worshiping something else other than God. And I am totally. not to do that with anything. Totally, totally, totally agree. This is what people ought to be writing articles about relative to the second command. It's not, do you have pictures of Jesus? Do you have a baby Jesus in your crash? Uh, it ought to be, uh, you know, the New Testament makes clear covetousness yeah. is idolatry, and idols are issues of the heart. And this is what the second commandment really gets at in the heart. 
There's all the other things that we put in God's place, all the other things that we love too much. You, you said it well. I, I, I'm not a video game player, but I have nothing against it. Uh, it's a form of entertainment. There are lots of forms of entertainment. That's yeah. just one of them. Yeah. Uh, but it can get out of its place just like any other entertainment can get out of its place. Yeah. And then it becomes an idol thing. It's pushing God away and it's taking the priority in my life. Uh, that's what we ought to really be concerned about with the second commandment. So, yeah, totally love what you're saying there. Yeah. And, and Steve, I'm sure you can even attest to this. I, you know, I haven't been an, in the gym as regularly in the past um, year or so um, as you, but I'm sure you see guys all the time who the gym has become their idol. You know, you can probably point oh. and be like, oh man, yeah, that, that it's their life. You know, I'm in here and they're always in here and I'm not here and they're here. And um, so I'm sure you see that there too. Well, you know what? I, I, I wonder about myself sometimes mm. because it really, it means so much to me. I get so much from it. I'm so dedicated to it. It is like sanct, uh, sacrosanct. I won't let anything get in the way of it. Sure. And I, I wonder sometimes, do I have this a little bit out of place? But, but you know what you made me think of instead is, um, now I don't want to make fun of anybody. Well, I am going to make fun of somebody. <laughs> I don't want to make fun of a certain group. I, I, I make friends with everybody in the gym. I'm, I'm a friendly guy there. Sure. I like to encourage people at whatever point they are in their development. Um, I don't want to, you know, discourage them. But there, there will be, uh, there are some really skinny high school boys <laughs> who come into the gym. Yeah. And, and they'll do like a whole bunch of biceps exercises and then flex and look in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you want to say, yeah, you're still skinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just stop looking in the mirror, work yeah. out a few more years. So it's almost like they're worshiping their body. Yeah. They keep looking in the mirror and flexing and looking in the mirror and like shaking their head like I look really good. Yeah, that that would concern me. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally agree. I think um, you know, again, we we bring up these topics and um I think our main goal and what we try to tell people is uh, and you and you prayed this, um, Steve, and you said this on the podcast. You prayed this before we started up. Um, you know that we would we would be silent where Scripture silent, and we would speak out where Scripture speaks out. And even when I'm looking at Scripture, I can see Scripture clearly speaking against idols. And so those are the things that we want to speak against. What are the things that are that are captivating your heart that aren't God, that aren't Jesus? And then looking at it and saying, you know, um, so does that include an image of God, an image of Jesus, uh, an image of the Holy Spirit even? You know, wh what do those things include? And um, again, as, as we've kind of been saying, uh, the issue isn't the image. It's what is it doing to your heart? Yeah. Amen. So I'd like to pose a couple questions. I think they're really great questions. They're simple. Yeah. But I think these are questions that get to the heart of the issue of the second commandment. Yeah. And get to the the heart of the issue of idolatry. And we should ask ourselves with like judgment day sobriety, we should ask ourselves, uh, here's one question. Uh, what do I love? What are my loves? Mm. Jesus is Lord over my loves, or he's Lord over nothing, really. Right. Uh, sanctification changes my loves. It's not so much about do this behavior, don't do that behavior. It's right. about the, the entire bent of my heart changes, and now I love these things way more than I love all these other things. 
Uh, so, you know, honestly, look in the mirror. What mm. do you love? Yeah. Put it another way. What do you want? Yeah. What is it you want out of life? What is it like if I die and I don't get that, it'll be a bad day. Yeah. Uh, what is it you really want? Yeah. The things that you love, that's who you are. Yeah. And the things that you want, that's who you are. Yeah. And it really gives you maybe a frightening picture of yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's who I am because that's what I love. Oh, that's who I am because that's what I want. And you realize, man, I'm an idolater big yeah. time. Those are the wrong loves and the wrong wants. Yeah. What yeah. what are the right loves and the right want, wants? What would you say, Nathan? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty easy, right? You're going to get that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the desire is, you know, for me, the desire is always, you know, Jesus. You know, Jesus is is my desire. That's the right want. I I want him. I want him completely. I want him fully. I want to, um, you know, I want to, you know, have that relationship. And I'm never going to. So please don't misunderstand misunderstand me when I say this, um, audience. I'm never going to have the relationship that Jesus had with his father here on earth where, you know, Jesus says, I always do the things that please my father, but that's what I want. You know, yeah. I want to be able to, you know, to say that knowing that that's never going to happen, knowing that I have to constantly look to Jesus to say, he's the one that did that on my behalf. He's yeah. the one that did that on my behalf. Um, yeah. Amen. You know, and so and then, then I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, so in, in, to me, that's, that's the great thing about the Christian life and the Christian faith. You know, when we read in Philippians and Paul talks about how, um, he has, he has learned to live with only wanting Christ, how he's learned to, you know, be with plenty, how he's learned to be without, you know, and he goes through all of these things. And then at the end of that, he ser- he says, I've learned this to me. That's yeah, a growing great, thing. You know, to me, that's such an encouragement because I look at where I am now and I, I do, I long to want Jesus, but I know that in my 35 year old unwise, impatient self, uh, there are other things that draw me away and that I kind of turn my head to and I'm like, oh, but that looks so good too, um, you know, and so there, there is, you know, there is the encouragement that, you know, first of all, I, I'm never going to achieve that he, totally here on earth. However, I, I hope that and I long to uh, more and more each day fully, you know, drive myself toward Jesus more and more. What were you going to say, Man. Steve? Yeah, I forget because I was listening to you and it was so good. Um, but uh, to say a little bit more about the what do you want question, yeah. what yeah. do you love question, um, I, I I think it's almost hard to know myself well enough to know whether I'm answering those questions honestly. Do you mm. feel any of that? Like, oh, yeah. am I really, am I sure this is what I love? Like, like you said, here's what I want to love. Yeah. And I think I do supremely like I, I want to love God I want to love right. I do I love God I love Jesus I love his kingdom I yeah. love the gospel I love scripture I love the Holy Spirit yeah. I love uh, following him doing the things that please him I, I want to love what he loves I want to hate what he hates and yeah. love what he loves and uh, you know that that's what I think is really really captivating my heart 
But my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I wonder, do, do I really or do I have some of these other things out of place? Yeah. And I guess it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole, wasn't it? They get out of place and you yeah. whack them and then they're back in order. Yeah. And then they pop up again and you whack them and then they're back, back yeah. in place. So, Steve, actually, if we can hang on that for a second. So can you tell me, um, you know, what – how have you over the years – um, what are things that you've kind of put in your life to help you regain some of that perspective um, when, when, when priorities do get out of place? Because I, you know, as you were just saying, you know, you even wonder now sometimes with the gym, is this something? So, you know, is it like something innate or is it where like sometimes somebody will come up to you and, you know, spiritually kind of hit you on the back of the head and be like, what are you doing here? Talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, you know, it used to be I had one thing I would do, mm-hmm. and that is I'd go read various parts, certain parts of Jonathan Edwards' writings, and they would kindle me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just got tired of doing that. Yeah. And now it's more like just go read some Psalms. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the purpose of the Psalms is to put our emotions, our hearts, in the right place and to align mm-hmm. them properly with and before God. Yeah. Um, uh, and... You know, if I'm not feeling like I ought to feel about him and about stuff, the Psalms really help me out. Yeah. Uh, just frankly, just Sunday worship mm. Yeah, does it for me. I mean, I love getting together, singing, praying, reading Scripture, confessing our sins, receiving the grace of God, hearing sermons. Man, I just love that, and that helps me put things right, I think. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, I— I know that there are times where, you know, um, you know, I think of, I think of David's Psalm, you know, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, there's that, there's that, you know, there are the times where it's like, you just feel so distant from, from who God is and his grace and his mercy. And so, you know, like you said, reading the Psalms, I mean, for me, even just reading, um, reading the Bible in general, you know, just going in yep. and, and picking up and looking at like Romans and looking at yep. the state that I'm in. And then, you know, where Paul goes into, you know, for through Adam, all of sin, but through Christ, you know, many are, many are redeemed. And it's like, oh, that is just so, that's so good, you know, and, and reading about Christ, I, you know, for a while. And I do, I bounce around um, when I was younger I would go to the Psalms and I would memorize a lot of those Psalms because I just, I love them now that I'm older. And I, I don't know if this says anything or not, but I just, I love going back to the gospels and reading Christ's words, hearing yeah, what he had to say, you know, and again, that's nothing against the theology of what we read in Paul, because ultimately when you understand that those are God's words, those are Christ's words as well. Um, but I just I love going and reading how Christ, how God Himself deals with people, with sinners. Um, and yep. you know, the more I the more I read that, the more I just I see the tenderness and compassion He deals with the brokenhearted, not excusing their sin, not glossing over it, but just that tenderness and compassion of you know, yep, you're you're a sinner, but guess what? I'm I'm the Savior. I'm here to deal with this and to fix this. And I just, I love the comfort and reassurance that, 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 that gives, um, in light of anything that's going on. 
Yeah, you know, um, on the subject of idolatry, the subject we're on. Yeah. Uh, I almost had I almost had idols ripped out of my life before I ever heard the gospel, and I almost had my own Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity experience before I ever heard any scripture or any Bible or anything. So, uh, so I'm 17, right? Total yeah. pagan, total pagan background, no yeah. church, no Bible, no God, no nothing. Never heard a verse out of the Bible, etc. Uh, but I was thinking, man, you know, everything is so purposeless. Yeah. What's, what's it all for? Why does it matter? You know, like lots of young people do sure. at, at that transition point in your life. And uh, so I had this deep sense of the vanity of all things and things that I could have idolatri- idolatrized. And idola, what's the word? I, I made idols. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there are things that I thought I was really good at. There were things that got me some, you know, in a very small way among my peers, some fame, some status. Yeah. Um, I came to realize, yeah, they're all just nothing. Yeah. It's all just nothing because soon I'm going to die and it's all over anyway and the lights go out and it's just cold and gone and uh, and I started thinking then, you know, there must be more. There must be a God. I want to know him. I got to find out who he is. And somebody invited me to a Bible study. And wow, I did. Um, I did find out who he is. Yeah. But, so I, before I ever heard the gospel, before I knew about the second commandment, I had my own experience of not wanting, not caring about idols in my life, wanting something bigger, mm. desperately wanting something bigger. And so I found, of course, what that something is. That's God. Yeah. That's the true and the living God. That's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I, man, can I say this with honesty? I think I can. Nothing since has ever contested with his vastly dominant first place in my soul. Mm. Um, now I think I get things out of priority as far as how much time I give them sometimes. Sure. Yeah. 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 But man, I'm always like, give me Jesus, take it all. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think. I think that's, you know, that's the key for us as believers is, you know, realizing that, you know, once, once Christ has redeemed us and once, you know, that process of, um, redemption has gone on in our lives, you know, that really, uh, you know, and and you often, you'll hear this argument. This was a huge argument. What was it back in the seventies? The, you know, the Lordship argument and, you know, Mm -hmm. and to me, I would say, yeah, that, that, you know, Christ, because of the pull of my heart as a believer, is going to be number one. But there are times where my time, my priorities will get shifted around. And and, yes, and those things will pull on me more and more, um, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, that's again, that's why we have such a great savior. You know, that's where, you know, that's where, again, Christ comes in and says, I always do the things that please my father. That includes, I always spend my time the way he wants me to spend my time. Mm. Um, you know, I spend the right amount of, you're getting convicting. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 and that's, you know, when we take a moment to think about that, you know, that means that I spend the right amount of time. I I spend the perfect amount of time in prayer. I spend the perfect amount of time relaxing. I spend the perfect amount of time, you know, preaching the gospel. I spend the perfect amount of time, you know, doing all of the things that he wants me to do, the things that we should be doing perfectly. And to me, that is just, that is the great 
grace that is Christ is you, yeah you're driving me to the cross man I'm yeah here, thank yeah thank you Jesus <laughs> yeah you know it's it's you will never do these things I will I did I can here you uh, go here is here is the grace um, that's so good yeah you know that's just to me that's that's what we need you know it's not the it's not the argument of whether or not we should be making images of Christ because as an as an artist, and I'm not saying that I am an artist, but like from the perspective of an artist, an artist is going to be drawn to express their worship, to express who God is, to express who Christ is through the medium of art, just like a singer is going to be inclined to express that through song. A preacher is going to be expressing that through the word. God has given us all different gifts, all different abilities, all different minds to worship him and glorify him in different ways. And so why do we got to beat someone down who decides, you know what, I'm, I don't have the ability to write a song, but you know what, I have a, a creative mind that God has given me and I want to portray this thing that God has put in my mind and put on my heart um, and let that speak for itself. Yeah, you know, you're talking about artists and them depicting things. It just reminded me, too, of the the Holy Spirit. How do people depict the Holy Spirit? And usually, I guess, it's the form of a dove. Would I be right? Would you yeah. agree that's the, yeah. the normal for the Spirit? And you know what? On the day of Pentecost, well, they did see the Spirit descending like, yeah. like a dove. Right, yes. Also, and then like tongues of fire, but... Um, yeah, and also at Christ... Is it not okay, uh, then, for an artist to depict that? Okay, yeah. here's a dove. This is standing yeah. for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you have Christ's baptism, too, where it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. You know, and so yeah, you that's have... What I, that's what I needed there. I'm sorry. Not Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, that to me, that's just, um, uh, you know, to me, it's just so good for us to be able to say, you know what, God has gifted this person with an ability to portray things and to reproduce things that I can't there, you know, an artist's mind and their ability to, you know, draw and, and, and recreate things is just, is mind blowing. And so why, if the Bible does not expressly forbid it, would we add something to it? That's not there. Amen. So maybe this is tangential probably is, but I'll bring it up anyway. It strikes me that there's a certain, I don't know what it is. It's a temperament. Mm. A guy has a certain temperament and he's going to be strict. No images, no Jesus, no baby mm. Jesus in the crash. He's going to be, and I can, I can guess. Yeah. He's also going to be strict, uh, regulative principal guy, yeah. uh, you know, and <laughs> hymns only and only yeah. a piano, any other instruments that becomes entertainment as abomination to God. Yeah. And he's also going to be you know, strict Sabbatarian yeah. or you can't ride your bike on the Sabbath and et cetera. Um, there's just like a certain temperament that winds up being that end of reform. Would you agree to seem that way to you? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's funny because, you know, the the reformed guys, you know, they they talk about the sovereignty and grace of God, which should produce so much freedom in our lives, and it really it ends up being some of the most legalistic stuff I've ever heard in my life at times. It's impressive, Do, doesn't it? I mean, am yeah. am I wrong with that? <laughs> no, because I you know I've been part of it. Yeah. You're blessed to not have been part of. It. I've been part of it. It's it's oppressive. It's exactly what wasn't it James who said. 
in Acts 15, Jerusalem Conference. It's a burden that we, neither we nor our fathers could bear. Yeah, yeah. 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 And These I mean, guys create burdens that, that, one yeah, can bear. that no one can bear. Yeah, and, and the whole point of um, the book of uh, Galatians is, is the freedom that we have. You know, Christ has come f- for freedom. You know, for freedom's sake, be free. <laughs> um, yes. You know, and it's funny because um, uh, kind of going back to school, you know, we were we were talking about um, and I, I love working in a Christian school and I love the grace uh, that is afforded to one another. You know, one of the things that we said before uh, during our teacher prep week before the students came back was, you know what, guys, life is is not fair. There are going to be weeks where it feels like, you know, you're not being asked to do anything. Um, and there are going to be weeks where it feels like you're being asked to do everything and no one else is. Can we just agree to show grace to one another and say, you know what, our administrators are trying to evenly dole out responsibilities. And so if it seems like, you know, hey, uh, you know, they've just been asking me a little more than usual to do things. Can we just, you know, agree that, you know, yeah, but, you know, probably two weeks ago they were asking somebody else to do a little bit more and it's just, you know, this is kind of your turn and your time. And and can we also agree, like, you know, that we are peers and colleagues, you know, we're not each other's boss and so we don't have to go around policing one another. And I feel like the reform community has just put on their badges and just started policing everything and saying, you can do this. You can't do this. This is what the Bible says. This is right. This is wrong. And, and what we've talked about before, Steve, is that, you know what? The Bible actually doesn't say that the Bible says this. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. And absolutely. Because as you know, having been on the wrong side of this fence on some issues, I am, I am now, quite the stickler for if you don't have express statements of scripture don't 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 come to me about it yeah you don't have an argument and you know by express statements i mean there's a verse that actually says that if not if you piece together this hunch from this hint right from that supposition right. from from what i glean in between yeah. those two verses over there that i come up with this argument over there right uh that doesn't get me anywhere what yeah. I want to know is, is there an express statement of Scripture? Did the apostles teach on this? Right. Um, would, would anybody in Rome or Galatia recognize this? Would they have ever heard of this? Right. And if not, you know, drop it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I love that, because then it, it leaves it leaves so much open to the reality that that Christ is working in people's lives. He is treating people like individuals. People have convictions in their lives. He is allowing them, you know, the freedom to to hold those convictions and to stand strong in those convictions. And I and, and I think sometimes, you know, people misunderstand us when we when we talk about the freedom and we start dogging on people who have convictions. I want to say, if you have a conviction about this, hold tight to that conviction. You should not. Um, you know, make up any images or any idols. You should not, if you feel uncomfortable, you know, seeing those things. Okay, I can appreciate that. But don't go around telling me what I can and cannot look at, what I should and should not like. And there's the rub, because they're usually not content to not go around telling others. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's where we let scripture speak. You know what? A dude's committing adultery. Okay. Let's, let's get on that. That's something that needs to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Let's deal with the issues that really are issues. There's plenty of them. Yeah. And there are plenty of commandments in the new Testament. We don't have to make up additional ones. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, in our weakness, it's hard enough by the spirit's power to keep the ones that we do have without adding a whole slew of other man-made commandments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Man. I'll look forward to seeing your baby Jesus held That's by right. Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And uh, we've got another one that we put up too, which is um, you've got Santa Claus um, uh, kneeling in front of a fireplace that has a cross on it. Now that might be a little more worship, but um, you know, but I, I just, I, again, I love the image of, you know, these mythical figures being subject to the truth of God, you know, I just, I, I love that. And so, you know, I remember seeing pictures of these superheroes and they were in this, um, dining room setting or something like that. And you had like Spider-Man and the Hulk and all these, you know, superheroes around Jesus and Jesus kind of looks at him and he's like, let me tell you how I saved the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I love that. I love that. <laughs> uh, but well, Steve, thank you so much for, uh, you know, once again, taking time out of your, uh, out of your vacation, out of, uh, taking time away from your family to call in and do the podcast. Really appreciate you and, um, you know, the, the time and thought you put into doing this with, uh, with me. So, uh, appreciate that brother. My pleasure, man. Hey, you need to say that to my wife, not me. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's the one that when I first told her, Oh, by the way, I'm doing a podcast tonight. She kind of looked at me like, you're a what? <laughs> but it's okay. We got it worked out. Folks. Uh, and we, we got you wrapped up before nine o'clock. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully everything's good there. Steve, brother, I look forward to, uh, you know, being together with you in person once again, um, when you get back, um, until then, enjoy the rest of your time with, with your family. Thanks so much, man. All right. See ya. Bye. These go to 11.